From high stadium to breaking down the middle. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. Welcome to the lowdown on Sports 1440. Today's show, the Edmonton Oilers, are they interesting? <sighs> are they like turnips and matzo balls and puffed wheat, sawdust and brown shoes, REO speed wagon and the English patient, dial-up internet and junk mail? At the very least, I think we can say the Oilers are ponderous. I think that they are a team that is so disappointing that you might, in terms of wanting to try something else for a while, that might be the healthiest thing for Oiler fans. Until they get it straightened out. Because they're really good players. They're just a terrible team. Why do great players mixed with good players make a terrible team? Well, we're going to talk about that today. How can they get better in a quick hurry, which they need to? We're going to talk about that today. Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, and Radio Player Canada. You can text or call us at 1-833-401-1440. Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. The Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. We love them. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. Don't do anything else until you go there. Jason Greger will join us. Brendan Batchelor, uh, play-by-play broadcaster for the Canucks on Sports 650 as well. Uh, and, of course, we say hello to our friend Declan Kruger. Declan, how was your weekend? Did you do anything exciting? Please say you did. My weekend was great. Uh, I saw you sent out a tweet here just now that I was singing the chain and saying I love never going back again. I don't know if you recall, but I saw the Fleetwood Mac tribute band concert thing on Friday night uh, at, out at the Arden Theatre in St. Albert. Played through the whole Rumors album, so it's been on the mind. Never going back again. Forgot how good that song good that song is, and The Chain's such a classic. So they're on my mind, and mood is high, and Oilers dubbed tonight. I have a gut feeling once again. So I think yeah, things are looking up. The, the, here's the thing about Fleetwood Mac. You can go through everything from the White Album, album until the most recent one, and you'll find some gems everywhere, like Think About Me or Over My Head or As Long As You Follow. They're just great songwriters along with being fantastic musicians and, and uh, like the bass line on the chain and things like that. Yeah, you'll find gems everywhere, but no. there was nothing like Rumors. No, it's huge. I mean, that uh, album is something else. I still love that White Album, the one that came out before it. But if you go back farther, Fleetwood Mac sort of morphed a couple of times, mm-hmm. and the Peter Green, Fleetwood Mac, and, and the Bob Welsh too, Really good. Like I don't know why there were so many great musicians who crumbled through that band. Poco was another country uh, music band that was like that. Anyway, I digress. You had a great weekend. I did too. I am so looking forward to today. Oilers in Vancouver. They play the Canucks tonight. Will this be the evening the Oilers turn the... Well, they basically need to join the 2023-24 NHL hockey season, and they need to do it soon. Uh, last week, people were kind of getting there saying, oh, you're so down on them. And I'm like, because they are not playing very well. And that has to stop, and I don't see any signs of it. Remember when they played the Canucks at the beginning of the year, and people said, oh, there's a little concern there. They certainly need to tighten up. But, you know, I mean, they lost a couple of games. They're still doing the stuff. They're still doing the stuff. It's ponderous. And so... You can you can watch it and say they're going to get better, but I think ten games is quite a lot. I think that's a a fairly large sample size. That's a good piece of block cheese. Do you know what I mean? Like you're you go into the fridge and you get one game's worth of block cheese. Well, that's you know that's just cheese for the hand. Ten games. That's like you got to think about that, especially at my age. You got to think about that. 
Ten games is a lot, and they're ponderous. The Oilers can't stop the puck from going in the net. They're surrounding too many great chances from high-danger areas. That speaks to what? Goaltending, discipline, and hard work. You know, if you look at, if you do one of those heat maps about what their goals are going in, they're also going in from the moon in Laredo. I get that. But, you know, as bad as the goalies have been, and they're the worst, like, in forever, the goalies have been just putrid. Something's got to give there. They should do something about that before they fire the coach, and they're going to fire the coach. But if you are watching this team right now, they, there's so much that happens before the goal that doesn't make any real sense. Look, I watched the 74-75 Washington Capitals. I remember some of it. One time, Doug Moans and Greg Jolly lined up on the blue line. Dave Keon pushed the puck at center ice past the forward. I think the forward was Bill Clement. And he skated between the two guys from the faceoff. They were too wide. The gap was too wide. He skated in on goal and scored a goal. That's bad defense. The orders are better than that, but not as good as you need to be to win anything in the National Hockey League. The, the orders, their, their best players have to be their best players. And that's like the number one thing. There, I think Connor McDavid's hurt. I do. But Leon Dreisaitl, um, Zach Hyman, Darnell Nurse, I hate to put any pressure on Stuart Skinner because he's not the highest paid goaltender, but he needs to be like he was last year. And that's a lot. And especially when you're looking at a, at a team in Vancouver where the Pistons are firing, man. Like, whatever you want to say about, about Vancouver, and it's not like they have the the storied history of the Edmonton Oilers. They're playing well, and they've got a coach who believes in them, and they've got their best players being their best players. You know, Demko, Hughes, Patterson, Miller. And they've got a few surprises like Ronick too. And we're going to talk to Brendan Batchelor about that coming up later on today, and Jason Greger, too. We also have... I'm so thrilled for this. I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the definition of ponderous in... 25 seconds. I know Bob does that where he talks about how many seconds or minutes it's going to be. 25 seconds, definition of ponderous, and you tell me if it's the orders. Okay. Um, Declan, what was I going to talk about next? The word ponderous? No, damn it. There was something else I was going to ask you about. Okay. Oh, I thought this, I see, know what it is. No, I thought that was a quiz. Like you saw oh. me typing, you saw me heading the no. computer. You wanted to make sure I was paying attention. No, I've which lied. I was. I've done the Bob lie where I said okay. it was going to be 25 seconds and it isn't because you talked. Okay. Mama MMA coming up at 1240. Promise we were hearing Abba's Mamma Mia. Yes, we will definitely right. be hearing uh, Abba's Mamma Mia. All right. And what are we talking about? What are we, is uh, Frank the Crank Henrik uh, doing something in the ring with Omdomado uh, Dibidu? That's exactly what happened. Okay. That's right. You nailed it. All you right. were listening in our prep meeting this morning. Oh, I can yeah, tell. The, the Crookshank yeah. twins are just awesome. They're great, too. You know. Did you ever watch Roller Derby when I was a kid? I think Raquel Welch was in a movie about roller derby. <laughs> but when I was a kid, they were they were on TV on, I think, was it Friday night or Sunday night? Uh, maybe it was Sunday afternoon. Anyway, roller derby, have you ever seen it? I have. I think back when I was a kid, like, there would occasionally be roller derby highlights on SportsCenter. Like, very, very niche clips, very throwaways, but it would just be something you would see every now and again. And it would be very exciting. And I actually saw a movie about it once with... I, I think like Ellen Page was in it. She yeah. was she played the the main roller derby girl and yeah, it's a cool sport. It's it's very violent. It's exciting. It's fast. Like it looks like fun. Yeah, it, I, it's it's. I, there was a time when when it was it, it. I think it was a niche sport. I know it was a niche sport. But there was a time when if you were a roller derby fan, you had a group of total nerds that you could you know 
relate to. I guess that's always been the way. All right, ponderous. This is what the orders are. Dull, laborious, or excessively solemn. And I understand saying that on a team with Connor McDavid on it is, like, not normally true. In fact, this is the only time I can remember, but McDavid isn't 100%. And when he's not 100%, when he's not the tip of the spear, when he's not doing ridiculous things that are going to lead to one or two goals, this is the Oilers. They're they're meh. They're fake bacon bits. They're 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 just they're lethargy incorporated. They're just porridge. They're 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 Ario Speedwagon. They're air supply. I'm so sad to say that the Edmonton Oilers are air supply. They're singing Lost in Love every night. And it's a, like it's the saddest damn thing. You've got the best hockey player in the world, and Leon's what top five, and they've got other capable people, and the the attention to detail, the playing of the defense. I don't know. I, I, my worry is more than one person is talking to them. I know Paul Coffey's come in, and is he talking to the defenseman? Like it seemed to me that Dave Manson had this team going in a really good direction. And Jay Woodcroft certainly was overplaying Nurse and CeCe and others like that. But it's like when another um, voice enters the room and starts talking. That's what I, I'm not saying that's happening, but that's what I see. I see, um, you're not a parent, but if you have kids, the one thing that parents have to do, and I know parents do this, is you have to be on the same page. That's why you'll hear dad say things like, ask your mother, because he forgot what the same page was, but he knows his wife will remember it. That's how marriages work, ladies and gentlemen, and it's been since time eternal. Ask Your Mother comes because there's some kind of thing that the guy didn't remember, but he knows they've talked about it. And then wait till your father gets home is just a hammer. That's a threat. And very effective in my house. I don't know how it worked in your house. Was wait till your dad gets home, was that a big deal at your house? Um... No, not re- it wasn't like he was the disciplinarian. They they both were pretty they disciplined us equally, but it it was a little bit like wait till your dad gets home so he can hear about this and also punish you on top of me <laughs> punishing you. It was that kind of thing. One time I hope my son's not listening because he will get really mad at me if I tell this story. We're at um we're in BC, we're in the interior of BC and we're at uh what the hell is the name of that town? Um it's where you go into the mountains and it's the hot springs. What's it called? Radium. Yeah. Okay. So, and there's a there's a um, there's a main street there, and we need to get Pinocchio because my son loves Pinocchio, and we forgot to bring the damn VHS. So we had to drive into town and get this. And we were staying in this really nice place where I would chop wood and be manly. It was quite the deal. Um, and so we're staying there, but we got to drive into town and get Pinocchio. The only one we could find was Italian, and he loved it even more. So what the hell are you going to do? Anyway, we're, we're, we're waiting to cross the street, the three of us, my son, me, and my wife. And my son runs into traffic. And I, I, I leapt out, and I remember I grabbed him, and I heard the brakes hit, and I looked up, and there was a, a Dodge Ram uh, logo right at my face. And that's why I thank Dodge for making great brakes because my son and I would have been badly injured. And it was like a, a, a mistake of youth. And so 
I, like I took him and my wife was screaming at the other side and I took him over to our car and I'm like, I am just hammering him. I'm yelling at him and I'm saying, Michael, Mike. and I thought I did a good job and I put him in the car in his car seat and then mom makes her way back to the car and I thought, well, I will tell mom that she doesn't have to get mad at him because of, the, and she went to a different level. Like there's, there's dad level trouble and then there's mom upset and worried and frightened level. And boy, did he get it that day. He never did that again. That's how effective it was. Okay, Robin Brownlee has found the Kansas City bomber. So I'm going to retweet the photograph of Raquel Welch. That was a that was a hell of a film and a hell of an error. We miss Yamamoto, LOL. Well, maybe that's true. I mean, I think Connor Brown is a really good player, but he's hurt. They did recall James Hamblin, I should mention that, on emergency recall. I, I I wrote in the athletic today. We're going to talk about it. I, I have six reasons, ways that the Oilers can improve. Some of them are just ghastly. Like I don't do not believe they should let the coach go. I just don't. I think that would be very poor on their part. But they need to allow fewer high danger chances, and that's just you know the, the Oilers treat the slot like a swim up bar for their defensemen. Darnell Nurse is playing. He goes to the ground on his knees, and the puck gets passed over. And they're they're, but they're not they're not covering anybody. There's a way to mark your man. You're on the inside, and you have a stick tied up. It can be done. I've seen it on other teams. The owners seem to have forgotten how to do that, and they also take penalties doing it. Then you got to find a goaltender, rest injured players like McDavid and Ekholm, play the kids for crying out loud. The owners are going to, one day this year, and maybe it's soon, there's going to be six guys playing 24 minutes and six guys playing, you know, three. The owners are all over Hell's Half Acre on their time on ice. It's never been this bad. I know that Jay Woodcroft has done that in the past when he's short, his bench is short. But it's really become very drastic, and I think that he's he's cutting off his nose to spite his face here. And guys like Broberg and Holloway and Lavoie can help him, but you got to play them, and you got they're going to make mistakes, but they're going to learn. And then Je- Ken Holland has his his cap risk that he made going into the year is an utter failure. They need to fix that now, and it involves making trades. By the way, Daniel Nugent Bowman has two great articles up today at the Athletic. Make sure you read them. One is on Warren Fogle. Uh, that is really good. Um, and so they need to make a trade. I don't know what it's going to look like. Maybe it's going to be, I think Kulak would be the most likely. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe Jack Campbell. I don't know how on earth he'd make that deal. Probably would be the first round pick. Morning, LT. I wish I could say I feel your pain when it comes to the orders, but I can't. I find all of this crying highly entertaining. Have a great day. Go Canucks. Good to see Canucks fans getting out, enjoying themselves. We definitely do not miss Yamamoto. Well, I don't know. Tide, why are the owners not waving Jack Campbell? Because it won't do any good. Nobody will claim him. They the One thing they could do is call up somebody from the minors. They could wave him, send him down, and call up one of the two goalies, who are both playing well, by the way, from the minors. Pickard and uh, uh, Olivier Rodrigue is really coming now. I don't know what they're going to do because he might be ready. Low Tide, there's no accountability on this Oilers team. When that occurs, that's a problem. Woodcroft has to be better. Injured players on for two minutes on power play. Gags on bench dragging the Oilers. Game in, are, are two examples from Geo. Yeah, people are really criticizing Woodcroft, and I get that. The team is losing. 
But I, I just, I feel like this team is more discombobulated than a coach could do. I, I, I would be very interested in knowing if there's more than one message being sent to the players. Do the players have access to somebody aside from the coaching staff? Is this a thing where Paul Coffey's talking to people? When he went down with Ken Holland to talk to the players, I thought, man, we're going to see a coaching change. We just are. Because it's just like, remember what I said about the parents. Ask your mom. you got to be on the same page. And the orders right now look like a team that is not listening to the same guy. That's what they look like. They can't possibly be this bad unless they are talking to and listening to more than one source. That's my opinion. We'll talk about all of that today. And I'm loving, I'm loving our lineup today. First of all, we get to talk, you and me, until 1 o'clock. And then we have two great guests. And one of them is Jason Greger at 120. The other is Brendan Batchelor, who I really like, play-by-play voice of the Canucks on Sportsnet 650. This hour, we've got NHL rumors next. And then the debut, we don't have a drum roll, but we really should. The debut of Mama MMA, featuring the ABBA song Mama Mia as the intro, And that's coming up with Declan Kruger at 1240. If you are a fan of MMA, you're going to love it. If you're not, you're going to love it anyway because Declan is damned entertaining. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Lindsey Buckingham. I saw him live, by the way. He was playing a 12-string, and and he played uh, that song and Big Love and Trouble. Did he play Holiday Road? No, he did not. Oh, shameful. Yeah. Shameful. But what a talent and what an ass. I don't know if you read about the band, but uh, all of the great love songs in that band are basically about Lindsey Buckingham. Yes. And he got punted from the band. A few about John McVie as well. Well, I mean, and a few about Mick. I mean, you know. That's the problem with, I think, probably I, dating a great songwriter who's female, <laughs> right? <It's> all, <laughs> I remember my dad telling me when I was younger that this band, like, you know, John and John and Chrissy were divorcing and uh, Stevie and Lindsay were breaking up. And it was a really tumultuous time throughout the group. And I looked into it myself and I had no idea just how toxic that band was when they wrote and recorded rumors. Like, they would not talk to each other outside of recording sessions. They would just no. meet, record, and go their own way. I, th- I, th- I think that... Um uh, I think a lot of that band's uh, structure and chemistry can be explained in a Christine McVie song called Over My Head, mm. which is about Lindsey Buckingham. So listen to that and then know that that um, if you ever met somebody who's really charming but is also can be completely distant and make you feel really bad. Yeah, you. <laughs> I would say. So, yes, I have met someone Wow, like that. that's such a compliment. I can't play the <laughs> guitar, but wow, I feel special. You're the Lindsey Buckingham of Edmonton Radio. That is, you know, I'll take it. I'm fine with that. I mean, you know, at least he's famous. Um, all right, so some news for you. Uh, this is the uh, Hockey Rumors segment, and a really good piece today. I had mentioned it earlier, but I want to mention it again. Uh, how does Edmonton's uh, brutal start compare to last year's similar swoon uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman digs down on it, and it's not what you think. You know, last year people were up in arms, and then they went on a real. They they started to really hammer, but he goes into like the five on five work is really really tough, uh, and the goaltending, the power play, not so bad. 
But it's an interesting piece. I recommend you read it. Um, just kind of giving you a perspective and maybe pointing out that as bad as things look, you know, I've said this before, but as, a, as somebody who writes about the orders a lot, I see a story. Now, you can see a story all you want. That doesn't do you a damn bit of good if it doesn't happen. But if the Oilers were to win the Stanley Cup, this first 10 games, is that's, that's where you find the failure. That's where you find the, the story. That's where you find the bitter pill, and then the rest of the year would be redemption leading to the Stanley Cup. That's a beautiful story. I would write that you know, in a heartbeat. Because it would like to me, that's really something that is inspiring. JMO, uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Frederick Anderson is out indefinitely with blood clotting issues. That's a tough one. Now the Hurricanes are they're 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 not having a a, a, a bad year like the Oilers are, but they're inconsistent and they seem to be like holes are popping up and people are getting hurt all the time. And that's that's a story that they're going to need all 82 games to get themselves straightened out, I think. There's some things happening. The injury to Jack Hughes is a right shoulder. And that comes from Ryan Novinsky of NewJersey.com. He remains tied for the NHL Sports point scoring lead. But that's that's not great. They also are missing uh, Nico Heischer due to upper body injuries. Sean Couturier and Carter Hart have traveled with Philly, but they're both out. Uh, Brett Pesci has returned to practice with Carolina. The orders, of course, recalled James Hamblin. Hamblin's one of my favorite stories on the roster. He was not drafted, and he signed with the orders and has done very well in the minor leagues. He's he's. I don't know that he's a pure center, but he can win faceoffs. He's not fast, but he's quick, and he's done very well. Twelve twenty six. This is the lowdown. It's Alan Mitchell and Declan Kruger. Declan is choosing music that he listened to on the weekend at a Fleetwood Mac. Uh, were they lookalikes too, or just soundalikes? No, they were lookalikes. They dressed up. They they addressed everyone as the as the band members. They would say they would look to each other and say, "Lindsay's going to play this one. Stevie's going to play this one." So they were they were fully in character. But it was it was a good show. I liked it. And, I loved and were you were you were you widely entertained, or were you were you amused or bemused? I. I would say I would say I was amused. Okay. I think that's fair. But I will say this: they, I went with my girlfriend's family, and they closed with "Go Your Own Way." Which, no, your girlfriend's family closed with "Go Your Own Way," or the band? The band closed with "Go Your Own Way." Okay. You're, you're right. It's good I make that distinction. So they closed with "Go Your Own Way," and halfway through the song, the closing number, which they came back out on for as an encore piece, halfway through that, my girlfriend's family was like, "All right, we're we're gonna go now. We're gonna what? beat the traffic." And I was like, no! "What?" It was halfway the through the guitar solo, way. man. I couldn't believe it. I wanted, I like, but I was, I was handcuffed. What was I supposed to do? I was just supposed to stay there and be rude. Like I had Look, to go. This but is, it was halfway through the song. I couldn't believe it. I was so disappointed. This is seven hundred fifty dollars shoes all over again. Declan, no, this one's a little different. This one was out of my control. No, it isn't. I, I couldn't just sit there. You damn straight, you can. The Lindsey Buckingham solo that starts, it's it's really slow, and then it builds, yep. and then they go into the chorus, and then it's a screamer. No, you're preaching to the choir. Like, I would have done anything to Declan, stay there, but they invited me. They got me a ticket. Pure. They extended the olive branch. It was very kind. They didn't was very know. Nice you had to inform them. You need to stop them. Oh, say, I, I... Listen. I made a couple quips in the parking lot when we were walking. I was like, really? Like, that? We're, we're choosing to leave during that song? Things I couldn't believe it. The only, it was a lot of fun. I will only give you forgiveness if you say the following. She's worth it. 
Oh yeah, she's worth okay, it. Okay, then it's fine. But that's a that is a good song. That's, yeah, well, that's all I'm going to say. That if, is a good song. If you song. go listen to that song, and there's a part where where the the beginning of the guitar solo, it's it's almost like it's disjointed. It's there's there, there's a spot in that song where there should be a guitar solo, and he just plays boom, and it's 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 sort of disjointed, and you're like, that's kind of you know weird and then they hit back with the 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 chorus and then in the chorus it just takes off and it's mm. like it's probably the the best thing Lindsay buckingham ever did that 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 guitar solo well you know dating stevie nicks for eight years is pretty cool i think a lot of guys would like to do that as well i but... don't know but he should have left he should have been more kind is all i'm saying yeah that song's good too i mean i know a lot of songs came out of it but holy you know people talk <laughs> You know, he got punted from the band. How how do you do that? You've been in a band for forty five years, and you're a big part of it, and you're such a a, a, a what's the word? toxic human being that you can't be in the band. Like people who loved you can't stand you, and they can't be around you. I mean, that's you. That's a a pretty spectacular belly flop among friends. I think. Oh, boy, Stanley Cup contenders to lottery pick contenders. Hope not from Darren. I don't think they'll be in the lottery, but they are burning daylight right now. They really are. They have got to pick it up. And it's playing defense. You, the, the, the high slot area is <clears throat> where danger lurks. And I know the goalies aren't stopping enough pucks. I understand that. But in that area, they're giving up a lot of opportunity, and it's because they're not paying attention to detail. I remember in the summer, the two things I remember in the summer, all the smart people were hammering Jay Woodcroft for making mistakes. Oh, he should have played Ryan McLeod here. Oh, and he should have run Jack Campbell. Fine. And then they were talking about they need to have, the defensive system needs to change up. And I kept saying, it's it's not the, everybody should be able to play any system. That should not be the problem. Even a hybrid should not kill you. It's execution. It's attention to detail. And, and Declan? What did we talk about? No, sorry, I can't help it. You don't have you. you I didn't mean to interrupt the the, rant, the tangent. I'm just you were going, going on. on here about the thing, and then you start to cough, and God knows what else was happening over there. It was low, and it was into the shirt, and it wasn't meant to be. A Why are you a, like a trumpet and a bugle and a saxophone every day? Because I got, I don't know. I got. Well, I was going to say I got music in my soul, but that's a little corny. So Where, I'm is not this why say Mrs. That. Stewart would get mad at you? Well, it was Mrs. Andrews. You've dropped okay. Mrs. Stewart a couple times. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, no, I don't think so. Like, I mean, if I was coughing, she she better buck up and say, you know, go get better, kid. Well, all I can say is the Oilers need to tighten up, like Archie Bell and the Drells, and they need to do it soon. You can call up a goalie, but Dustin Schwartz will just ruin them. Here we go with the Justin Schwartz thing. It never ends. How do we know? You know, Stuart Skinner was the Calder Trophy finalist a year ago under Dustin Schwartz. I agree with the comment of no accountability. In all of his five-star blunders, I've never once heard Nurse say, I screwed up. It's always a team thing, never personal accountability. Then he goes on record saying he gets blamed for everything, completely out of touch with the reality from Team Dean. I don't mind that. I, the, lots of athletes are like that. Mike Smith was like that, too. People got so angry. But I, I think that's their way of dealing with it, right? You know? I mean, does everybody listening to me right now, including the person talking, do we always, you know, recognize what we do wrong? I know I don't. And when I do, I, I am sorry. But Darnell Nurse is talking about the team game, and I think he said I need to be better or more accountable. 
Missing Yamo and Kostin in the room. I don't know. They send down Campbell and bring up Rodrigue, and it saves them something like 300000 Raider Jesse. Yeah, it's not much, right? I 100% agree, LT, about coffee. I believe Kate's is a big problem. Well, I don't know who is the problem. I just, I know that when you are, like, everything means something. Everything. You know, the fact that Declan didn't sit down during the Go Your Own Way solo, that's a tell. That's a tell about Declan, and we will follow that to its whatever conclusion it is. We will we will hammer anything that he does in the future, but we'll always reference that. So in a normal year, Ken Holland would go down and talk to the troops. This time it was Ken Holland and Paul Coffey. So what can we what can we gather from that? Well, possibly Paul Coffey is going to be named something of importance, maybe not general manager, but I know he's already somebody of importance, but he was he was the point man for something. He was, like, let's just say Daryl Cates last year, let's just say this, Daryl Cates last year didn't like that when the orders all got sick and ill and injured that Ken Holland didn't do anything about it, and he didn't make a move. He was patient and quiet like he always is. He doesn't pull the trigger until the deadline. He stayed pat. He kept his powder dry. And let's say Daryl Cates doesn't like that. You know what I'd do if I were Daryl Cates? I'd hire Paul Coffey and I'd make sure that Paul Coffey was in on every meeting that possible so that when Ken Holland didn't do something again that needed to be done, that Paul Coffey could say, this is what we need to do, and then you ultimately have a scenario where they decide what they're going to do as an organization. And we might be there. I would say to you, truly, there could be changes. Because when, you know, Jeff Jackson... Paul Coffey are the new sheriffs in town. They're the new leaders. They're they're like when Fleetwood Mac, when Bob Welch was in the band, they're Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. I'm I'm really reaching here, but we've been talking about it. They're the new breed. They're gonna drive, they're gonna write the hit singles, they're gonna get more publicity for Christine McVee's songs. That's what Jeff Jackson is doing, and that's what Paul Coffey is doing. I think that's happening. I don't know that, but I that's an educated guess watching the Edmonton Oilers for a long, long time. And it is interesting that Craig McTavish is also hanging around. Well, I got a lot in there. You notice how sometimes I get rolling, and even though it doesn't make sense, it really does sound interesting. Declan? No, it was great. It was great. (laughs) I always say your speeches are very impassioned, and I think this one was more of the same. Speeches? Yeah. This is off the cuff. I'm not writing anything down. Uh, You could have fooled me. Keep looking down at your notepad there. It's a little presidential of you. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if I had a podium? Oh, Hello, everyone. Man. I have read the report, and I do have an, uh, you know, um, some kind of uh, impact to study that I'm looking at right now, but I'm not prepared to talk about it. Uh, first question, can't talk about that. If I you can't. had a... Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off there. If I had a... If you had a podium, I would never get a word in. Like, I would try and turn the mic on, and from your podium, you'd raise your hand and say, no, no, no. No. I'm I thought speaking. about calling this show, show Pontification with Low Tide, but it didn't have a flow to it. Oh, I like that. But like but that. I'll tell you what, uh, Pontification, Declination, there might be something there in there the future. There is something there. Or you could, the Lowdown with Low Tide where he pontificates. It's too long. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny. You know, um, Low Tide at High Noon is still my favorite. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. All right. So on the way... I'm so looking forward to this for two reasons. Number one, I'm about to hear Mamma Mia by ABBA, and I love that song. Secondly, I'm not going to have to do a damn thing for the next 15 minutes. And thirdly, thirdly, also, 
Declan is going to give us, he is going to lay waste to central and northern Alberta with his knowledge of MMA. We call it Mama MMA, and it's on the way next. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick, corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. That's the official intro music for Mama MMA, which is uh, Declan Kruger's new vehicle and uh, the latest uh, item in his effort to take over the show and send me out to pasture somewhere out around Millet or Leduc, somewhere in there. Devon, maybe. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yep. No, slowly but surely. Yeah. So our, the, this is the first edition of this. So how is the structure going to go? Are we going to talk about what's happening now or close in the future or give an overview of the most interesting stories? Well, I think the way I envisioned it is we would start with a recap okay. and then we would move on to upcoming events well this seems very logical take it away well the first thing i want to talk about that we didn't have a chance to talk about last week and it's a little bit of old news now is the tyson fury francis and ganu fight now i'm not sure if you had a chance to watch it saw any highlights maybe just the result i watched a a, a lego version of it it was very good yeah so you got you have the you have the, you have the lowdown mm-hmm. to quote the show you get the gist of it there's a lot of rumbling that francis and ganu won the fight And I think when you talk about the sport of a boxing match and how you score a boxing match on a 10-point must system, 10 10 points for the round winner, 9 or fewer for the loser, take points away for knockdowns or an overly dominant round. I think when you look at the sport of a boxing match, Tyson Fury won the match. I think on a 10-point must system, I had him winning 7 rounds to 3, 4-point victory plus the extra knockdown, so I had him winning by 3 points. I thought 96-93 was a fair scorecard. But when you look at the overall event that happened... Francis Ngannou was far and away the winner of the night. This is a guy who had never boxed professionally before, came from an, M- from an MMA background. He went in to fight the WBC heavyweight champion, who was 33-0-1 coming into the fight on top of the world, thought to be the baddest boxer on the planet. He went in there into his backyard, his sport, took him 10 rounds, knocked him down, and looked very competent fighting him. Tyson Fury can walk away with the decision and say, yeah, I won the fight. But in the grand scheme of things, you were supposed to blow this guy out of the water. You were supposed to dispatch of this guy early, or if you weren't going to because he was too tough for his own good, you were supposed to embarrass him and make him look like he didn't belong with you for 10 rounds. Tyson Fury did neither of those things. He went the full 10-round distance. Francis Ngannou was the one with the knockdown. He's the one who walks out of that fight with his stock elevated. Tyson Fury walks away from that fight thinking, geez, like, Tyson Fury, we were talking about this guy versus Usyk for all the belts. Alexander Usyk, who's the unified heavyweight champion of the world, he has three of the four belts. We were, do you want to see that fight now? Do you want to see those two guys fight? What I like is that the judges did it right. I, I hate when... I've watched a lot of boxing in my life. Yes. And Sometimes you will get local boy getting the, and I don't like that because these guys are risking a lot in the ring. So give them a fair score. I like that, that, you know, I trust you uh, and I like that they scored it right, even though there would have been a great uh, deal of sentimental, um, I guess, force towards the, the, the young fighter who is no real record to be the winner, but, but play it straight up. It's still a great story, as you say. Absolutely. And here's what I thought was going to happen with the fight, because one thing about me 
And I don't know if you know this, and I, I don't think I've ever said this on air, but I was I was an amateur boxer for a number of years. What? Yeah, I started after what? high school. I thought you said you were a swimmer. I was a swimmer as a kid, and after high school, when football was done, basketball was done, I started boxing because so I was like, you okay, say, this is I with brand new information. Do you have a photograph of yourself in boxing? Class? I do. I got a couple medals. I well, can could just you please, you know, maybe just my tweet, tweet those out. My phone's just over to the right, but I'll send you the pictures. Uh, in well, a second. No, but, tweet them out. I don't care. I don't want oh, your people. stuff on my phone. Tweet right. them out. I'll, yeah. t- I'll tweet a couple out. But the point I was trying to get at is. I thought this fight was going to start awkward because, and I'm not comparing myself to Tyson Fury by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not comparing anyone I've sparred to Francis Ngannou by any stretch of the imagination. But when I was sparring, if I was sparring a guy who I knew was a far better boxer than me, it would sometimes and actually often be easier than sparring with an MMA striker who was coming into our gym to get some boxing rounds in. Mm. Because with a boxer, even if you know he's better than you, and you know, when you're in the ring with someone you know, even if you know he's better than you, he still has certain tendencies. He still has certain timings. He still has certain movements off the ropes and in the corners that you're used to and you've seen because you've trained the sport. When an MMA fighter comes in, it's generally very awkward for the first few rounds, first couple of rounds, because their timing is different. They, th- they throw strikes a little bit more wonky. Their footwork isn't what you're used to. So it takes a couple of rounds to adjust to that. I thought Tyson Fury, and we saw this with Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor as well. I thought, Floyd, I thought Tyson Fury was going to take a couple rounds to adjust to Francis Ngannou and the awkwardness of it. Now, I don't actually think Francis came out that awkward. I think he came out, you know, certainly not polished as a boxer, but more polished than you would have expected. And Tyson Fury, in a straight boxing match, still couldn't really seem to find much of an edge. So that was what surprised me. The other thing is, like, Francis Ngannou has just opened every door in the world for him. Francis Ngannou, if he had gone in there and got blown out, no one would say we ever want to see that again. Now we're talking about Francis Ngannou, million-dollar paydays boxing guys like Dillian White was a name that was tossed out. Zhe Li Zhang, who's a Chinese heavyweight. Derek Chisora, who's been in the UK scene forever. We're talking about him fighting these guys in genuine interest because of the performance we put on. So Tyson Fury, he got the win. Not overly impressive. Francis Ngannou, life changed forever. And and what what I hear, because I filter it through my brain and my life experience i hear like a modern day rocky almost where oh certainly yeah certainly this is somebody who's like really just unknown and well to the boxing community surely and tyson fury's no he's no ivan drago but you talk about a guy who was born working the salt mines of cameroon fought for everything he had immigrated i believe it was to morocco first and then to spain and then from spain to france where he was homeless found his way into an mma gym then mma heavyweight champion of the world then makes tens of millions of millions of dollars boxing certainly a rocky story but I digress because that was Mama Boxing. So let's for a say little bit. Chuck Wepner. Yes. Because he was the guy who inspired Rocky. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay. Right. So continue. Okay. UFC 295 is this week. Now, UFC 295 was originally supposed to be John Jones, who, for anyone who doesn't know, is by all intents and purposes the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. He has one loss in his career, but it was a DQ loss because he was throwing 12 to 6 elbows. Really, it's because he was beating a guy up too badly that the ref, you know, jumped in and called it a DQ. He's been the best light heavyweight champion the, the world has ever seen. And more recently, he became the heavyweight champion. He's still the current heavyweight champion, won it back in March of last year against Cyril Gaon. He was supposed to fight the guy who is thought by many to be the greatest heavyweight of all time, a guy named Stipe Miocic, won the belt 
more t- defended the belt, excuse me, more times than anyone else in UFC history. Two-time heavyweight champion, phenomenal record, list of Hall of Famers he's beaten, went into Fabricio Verdum's backyard and knocked him out in the first round in Brazil to win the belt. That fight fell through. So now we have the interim heavyweight champ, the interim heavyweight championship of the world between two guys, and this makes a much better fight. Sergei Pavlovich, who is this hard-hitting Russian, he's only lost one fight ever in his career. It was in his debut to a very seasoned guy in Alistair Overeem. He's going to be fighting Tom Aspinall, who is one of the most technically gifted heavyweights I've ever seen. The way he slips and rolls, he moves like a welterweight or a lightweight. Honestly, his timing is phenomenal. He's very fast. His head movement is great. The fight is exponentially better. We're now seeing a fight. Listen, we were going to see two legends collide, but one of them was a 40-year-old guy who hasn't fought since March 2021. 40? He's dead, basically. 40-year-old man. Well, yeah. listen, 40 years old Good to Lord. be fighting. That's you, insane. Give your head a shake. He hasn't fought since March 2021 when he got his bell rung by Francis Ngannou to win the heavyweight title at the time. He's been out firefighting. He was going to come back and fight one of the greatest of all times who's a lot fresher, a lot more seasoned, a lot more polished. That fight fell through. We get an objectively better fight. That fight's the co-main event of the evening. The main event of the evening is the light heavyweight world championship of the world by... Including, excuse me, Yuri Prohaska, former light heavyweight champion. He injured his shoulder. He had to sit out for a little while. The belt went through a couple iterations of different people. He's back now. He's fighting for the vacant belt against the former middleweight champion, Alex Pereira, who was a two-division glory kickboxing champion. And this is one thing I always like to say. People who are, quote, casual fans of mixed martial arts, they think they like mixed martial arts, but they really like Muay Thai. They really like kickboxing. They want to see a striking battle. That's what you're going to get with this fight. This is two warriors who are going to stand there and strike for five rounds or less, whatever it takes. It's one guy with dynamite in his left hand. They call him Poetan, Hands of Stone, Alex Pereira. The other guy, Yuri Prohaska, he's a samurai. He lives by the samurai. He lives by the samurai code. He only has had three fights in the UFC. That's all it took him to become a heavyweight champ- to light heavyweight champion because he was so decorated before he came into the UFC. It is going to be a striker's paradise. If you like casual kickboxing, Muay Thai violence in an octagon, this is the fight for you. So, so that's coming up this weekend. Is kickboxing like the 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 second guitar in the Allman Brothers or is it like the cowbell in Blue Oyster called Don't Fear the Reaper? Well... I, I I would say it's more like the second guitar in the Allman Brothers. Okay, I think. All right. Okay. But Which is very important. A, yeah. The second guitar is very important. Yeah. I mean. And by the way, people online are now calling you Declan Fury. Declan. Okay. I like that. I like no. that. Well. So yeah, I mean, just to to wrap this up because I know I know you still want to ref before we have to get to break here, and I won't uh, I won't <laughs> take it too far. Sergey and Tom gonna be incredible fight. A fight that got exponentially better. Tom is so gifted technically, but Sergey has that real X factor where if he connects with you, he can mitigate any strategy you throw at him. I think that's what's going to happen. I think we're going to see Sergey hurt Tom. Tom's coming off a knee injury. He had one tune-up fight really against a guy named Martian Tabora. Wasn't much of a fight. Ring rest, I think, is going to be a factor in the other one. I mean, take your pick. It's really whoever lands first, whoever lands harder. I probably, I think Alex is a little bit more defensively responsible, and I think he's going to win because of that, but two phenomenal fights. Well, Mama Bia is a big hit. We're getting lots of lots of reaction. Well, we got one that says not a fan of the new segment. Well, Still love the show though, so that's okay. good. But. but that's that's Mrs. Andrews. Yeah, again. well, Mrs. Andrews' son, maybe. No, listen, if you, if you don't like this, I mean, listen, it's an incredibly niche subject. I I completely what I like get that. about it is we're doing something that that is unique, and we talk about the orders all the time. Surely to God, we can have one segment once a week <laughs> that's not about the orders. Do you feel? Do you walk away from this feeling informed? Yeah, I do. What, but I'll I'll be honest with you, uh, just as a as a person who listens and somebody who who uh, appreciates radio for what it is, 
I just love your enthusiasm. I don't really even, you could talk about Corningware cookware and I wouldn't, it's just that, that you're passionate about it and I love that and it's entertaining. You're an entertaining person and that's why I like it. So, but make it MMA because if you start talking about MMA and then you go into Corningware, people will get upset who are fans of the sport. Yes. So. That's my uh, advice. So we got two now. We got two segments. That's one, two. And let's say we do we do basically five a day. That's 25. So you're at 4%. I think once we hit 50%, you know, I'll probably come in just for the second hour. And you know what? Let me, since we're still under the umbrella of Mama MMA, let me just wrap it up with some big fight announcements that were just okay. dropped by the UFC. You, three huge title fights. UFC 297. <laughs> Middleweight Championship of the World. It's going to be Sean Strickland, the defending champion against Driscus Duplessis. UFC 298, Featherweight Championship of the World. Alex Volkanovsky is going to be fighting Ilya Taporia. And UFC 299, Sean O'Malley is going to be fighting Cheeto Vera. So if you're a fan, those are some big, huge, incredible fights for you. And I thank you for listening. Now, where do you go watch fights? Do you buy the thing and just watch it in your living room? Or do you do you go with your girlfriend's family and then get up just before the end of the best bout? <laughs> no, How does that never. work? I have a pretty good set group of fans, friends, who are fans that I watch with. We'll get so are together. they fans of yours or just fans? No, they're fans of the sport. They're not okay. fans of They mine. don't like you personally. No, I would, okay. well, they barely invite me. I just show up. But all we right. get together. We all split the pay-per-views we watch because I can't watch it in a bar. I can't watch it with people who don't know what they're talking about. It's, it's, it's similar to you with you. Like, you have to be able, I have to be able to sit there and watch it and yeah. engulf myself in See, it. See, that's, like, I know people get, like, people. I've been asked many times, hey, come watch the game with us. But I... I can't because you're going to talk, and and I don't watch it that way. I watch with the sound down. It's not a. It's not a. It's it's it's. It's just the way I like to do it. By the way, Tony Bra- Tony Brar, uh, great follow Tony Brar OTV, um, Otters TV online. Otters Morning Skate, McDavid with Drysaddle and Hyman. That means that the Canucks have two powerful lines. The Oilers will only have one. Nugent Hopkins with Kane and Gagne. McLeod with Fogel and Ryan. And Hamblin will center Holloway and Lavoie. So Hamblin and Lavoie on a second line with Holloway, who keeps moving down the depth chart. I think he's about a week away from getting set out. Nurse with CZ. Ekholm with Bouchard. Kulak with DeHarnay. And Stuart Skinner appears to be the starter. And that's all courtesy Tony Brar. Uh, Brendan Batchelor has tweeted out the Canucks starting lineup. And Miller is with PDG and Besser. Uh, Pedersen with Mikhaev and Kuzmenko, that's really the heart of the order there. And then they've got Hughes with Ronick, who's going to be a story we're going to talk to, Brendan, about that coming up next hour. Jason Greger also on the way in hour number two. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's time for an update. This is a Sports 1440 update. And for your sports 1440 update, four games in the NHL tonight. Of course, your Edmonton Oilers there out in Vancouver. Puck drop for that one, 8 p.m. Washington Capitals general manager Brian McClellan said today it is, quote, unlikely Nicholas Backstrom plays again this season. Backstrom announced last week he is stepping away from hockey for health reasons. The 35-year-old is under contract with the Caps through next season at a cap hit of $9.2 million. Tampa Bay Lightning goaltender Andre Vasilevsky is progressing well from back surgery and is eyeing a re- an early return to the lineup. Coach John Cooper updated today that the rehab is going well and could put Vass back in the crease by American Thanksgiving. 
NFL news, New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones has a torn ACL in his right knee and is going to miss the rest of the season. And week nine in the NFL, it wraps up tonight. The Chargers take on the Jets on Monday Night Football. You can join Connor Halley at the Sherwood Park Canadian Brewhouse for that one. 12 games in the NBA tonight, which will also include James Harden making his L.A. Clippers debut. Clippers play the Knicks. That one goes tonight at Madison Square Garden. Blue Jays news to wrap it up is the Toronto Blue Jays have exercised their two-year conditional club option on right-hander Chad Green through the 2024 and 2025 seasons. I'm Declan Kruger. This has been a Sports 1440 Update.